For those of you who know my love and appreciation for a clean slate, you can just imagine my elation for an entire clean calendar. It's holding so much possibility for the year ahead. I mean, it's not entirely clean, okay? It has a couple of things on it. It's not like I've completely abandoned my overly planned ways, but listen to this. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that I actually decided not to go insane with the planning this year, and thus far, four days in, I have lived to tell about it. I, Emily Aborn, hereby declare that despite me not setting every single 2023 day into stone by January 1st, nothing has broken yet. And no, I have not been kidnapped or impersonated. It is really me, Emily Aborn, the content writer, the founder of She Built This, the one you've come to know and hopefully love. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. I am so happy you're here and I'm so happy that you found the show and I hope you will come to know and love it as much as I love creating it for you. All right, I always like to make it so that if you're just sort of kind of a planner or if you're like a full-fledged, give me all the details kind of person, I meet you people somewhere in between. So I wanna give you a little bit of an overview of what you can expect here on the She Built This podcast for the coming year and a little taste of where we're headed. Because while I did not plan all the things for the year ahead, I actually did get really clear on the direction of my podcast. And I wanted to share some of that with you. So I sat down at the end of last year and I did some reflecting on the various aspects of my life, my personal life, including Jason and I, our relationship, my family, my friends, and fun. Um, I did some reflection on She Built This events. I did some reflection on podcast episodes I've released, workshops, lessons learned, and all of the growth in my content writing business and really what worked and what didn't work, what gave me joy, what lit me up, what were my favorite moments, and if I was being really honest with myself and sometimes with others, what were my least favorite moments? Um, So I realized that when it came to my podcast and collaborations, that there were some I just was not all that excited about last year. And what I really wanted on my podcast was always, is to number one, always be excited. Um, This is a labor of love and it's supposed to be fun. And number two, I wanted to have the opportunity to go deeper into topics that I was just barely able to scratch the surface of last year with a lot of, well, in the past years, actually, with a lot of my guests and interviews. So I've actually been at this whole like podcasting shebang since July 23rd of 2019, which I'm really bad at this kind of like calendar math stuff. But I think that means that I'm heading into my fourth year. And actually, if we're getting like really technical here, I actually recorded those July episodes back in like June or May of 2019. So my podcast birthday is coming up really quick. And the podcast, it really started as my way of sharing the stories of women entrepreneurs following their dreams and making them a reality. And if you go back and listen to some of my earliest episodes, you will get a really good laugh at how my interview questions, some of them were very robotic and like perfectly planned. And what you'll see is how in that perfect planning, quote unquote, it actually resulted in an interview that wasn't as cohesive and smooth and natural. So besides being a robot interviewer, I actually think that the early episodes focusing on stories were, they weren't the worst thing ever. In fact, they were great and people really, really liked them. There's a lot of marketing out there that says, you know, if you're a podcaster or a content creator, you have to be committed to showing up and providing value to your audience. And I I think I often get sucked into this narrow-minded thinking about what value really is. And sometimes I think, well, it just needs to be tips and like self-improvement-y kind of value. But, or I should say, and I also think it can be engaging stories, inspiring stories, uh, entertainment, listening, feeling like you can relate to something. That is all a form of sharing value. So this year on the podcast, Here's the plan, and you get to be the first to hear about it because you, dear listener, show up every week. And if this is your first time listening, I'm predicting your future that you will show up every week. You will get marketing, 
visibility, and writing tips. In fact, I am going to be adding in a really fun new piece of the show, which is going to share like a content insight of the week or something I'm learning about words that I am curious about or interested in or that I just love, something along those lines. I'm super passionate about the fact that as entrepreneurs, we all need content. It's the one thing we have in common. So as such, I will often ask my guests a little bit more about their own content creation process so we can learn about what other people are doing in their business, how they're generating ideas, how they're organizing it, um, what they see as the best forms of content for themselves. So there's going to be education. There's going to be inspiration, just like you've come to know and love And you may also see or hear, I should say, some familiar faces because something new I'm doing this year is taking a page out of my own book and repurposing guests. I'm not doing this in the way like I'm repurposing content and just reusing their old interviews or their past interviews. I actually am going to be taking my favorite guests from the past few years and bringing them back on and diving in deeper. There are some topics I have wanted to go in deeper on and there are some people that I've just wanted to have another conversation with. So we're gonna be bringing people on that you might actually have heard or recognize, checking in on them and seeing what kind of progress they made. And of course, I will still be bringing you many guests and folks that you haven't heard from yet. Here's where I really do have a quite solid and detailed plan for my business. Um, My podcast is a place where I really did employ a lot of planning and prepping for the year ahead because I want to be able to bring you the very best listen possible. I absolutely love doing this and I want you to love listening to it just as much as I love recording it. I want 2023 to be our best year together yet. And I have this very strong feeling to my core that I think it is going to be. So, all right, enough about that. I just wanted to fill you in, get you excited, give you a taster. And now on to how I heard about today's guest, how her story and what she's doing relates to just about everything I just shared and what ideas that she inspired me in. And then we'll get into our interview. So Stephanie McLaughlin, today's guest, is also a podcaster. She's host of a podcast called The 40 Drinks Podcast, and I heard of her on the BizCast New Hampshire podcast, which actually, ironically, records at the recording studio I first started my podcast at. Boom, full circle. I heard Stephanie on their show share about this countdown to 40 this experiment that she did, which she'll share more about in this episode. And it got me thinking. I often think about my little upcoming transition to 40. You see, I am three and a half years away and I've already kind of thought about what I want this celebration to look like, like what I want the party to be like and what I would like to accomplish before that. And yes, I have a list for that. (laughs) But I didn't have any ideas on like, any sort of countdown ritual or project. And so Stephanie really got me thinking about it. And as you listen, maybe this will spark for you how you could creatively adapt this project to memorialize something, a transition point, something meaningful for you. Maybe it's a milestone or maybe it's an entire year focused on doing something. I know one thing that sparked for me recently after hearing Stephanie on the BizCast New Hampshire podcast was a desire to have more fun in life and find things that are sheerly for pleasure and not for work or productivity's sake, as in like a book for fun and not just education. Activities like ice skating and dancing and painting that are just for the sheer sake of doing it messy and terribly. (laughs) Stephanie's experiment had structure and a plan. And thus far, my fun plan does not have any structure nor a plan. But I hope that like me, our conversation encourages you to think about a way to create more meaning and connection in your own life. Without spilling any more beans or giving any more away, I will say that her project is very like chicken soup of the soul, which is one of those books growing up that made me really love and appreciate the way that stories build our lives and connect us all. 
All right, let me tell you a little bit about my guest, Stephanie McLaughlin. Stephanie McLaughlin has been a small business owner for 15 years, and she launched a podcast based on this passion project that she's been working on for 10 years. She owns a marketing agency, Savoir Faire, based in New Hampshire that serves small and medium-sized businesses. She helps folks to navigate that rapid evolution of the web that can frustrate and overwhelm many business owners. The 40 Drinks Project is something Stephanie did when she turned 40. She celebrated the big 4-0, having 40 drinks with 40 friends in 40 different places, and each one had a thematic connection to the friend. So what kind of began as like a wacky way to celebrate her birthday extended into a year-long adventure and turned into something else entirely. It actually changed her life. And she had no idea that this Just for Fun project was going to change her life, but it did. So ever since, she's been really captivated by the milestone of turning 40 and how other people handle it. And this year, the project came to life as the 40 Drinks Podcast, which is conversations about folks and their life experience around turning 40. Because that birthday often comes wrapped in larger life changes, whether it's a newfound search for meaning, accepting your mortality, or shedding all of those things you did because some external authority said you, quote unquote, should. Stephanie lives in Manchester, New Hampshire with her husband, Patrick, and a rambunctious black cat named Quinn. She says that professionally, she's confident and optimistic, and personally, she's sassy and a little ridiculous. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Stephanie as much as I did. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. I know, but you'll get through it. <laughs> I know. I just want to see your smiling face and oh. feel like we're actually visiting together. You can just imagine it. So I don't usually start my show this way, but hello, Stephanie. Welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. Um, all right. So I am. I read your bio before you joined, but I like to hear in your own words a little bit not just who you are now and what you do now, but like how you got into what you do. Cause I know that you have quite a backstory and a background and I, I do to hear about it. And I think that the listeners would also love to hear about it. Um, well, I am, uh, an accidental entrepreneur, I suppose is the best way to start. Um, I started my marketing agency 15 years ago, sort of by accident. Um, I had left my last full-time job in a not-so-great way. Um, I was let go from that position. It was something I, it was a job that I thought I would love and I'd be in for like 15 years. I thought it was going to be great. And it just turned out it was not a great fit for me. And and so the the situation sort of started deteriorating and I started making mistakes and then and then that led to, you know, getting in trouble, which led to lack of confidence, which led to more mistakes. I mean, it was just this awful sort of circling of the drain. And I didn't really have the guts to quit. Um, so they, <laughs> it, it sort of went until they fired me. And, and when I left that job, I started working with a career coach, um, a woman I had known for a long time, who basically sat me down and said, it's time, you and I are going to work together. And I was in my early 30s at the time, and I sort of thought like, okay, I mean, I guess, you know, she wanted to do all these career assessments. And I thought, well, I am, you know, in my mid-30s, like I know what I'm good at. But a number of her assessments were very valuable for me and helped me really understand things about myself that maybe I hadn't been as thoughtful about before. And so, so I started working with her. And at the same time, I started doing some freelance work. I thought, let me just do some projects to help pay the bills. And so I worked with her for about six months and, and was doing freelance work. Um, and all of a sudden one day we were working together and I sort of looked at her and I said, I, well, what if I did this? 
instead of getting a job? Like what, what if I, what if I just continued doing this freelance thing? And what was the freelancing in? Well, it was at the time it was a lot of writing. It was some event planning. It was, I had a really good solid network in Manchester at the time. And so it was really, you know, whatever jobs my friends and connections were giving me. Uh, but my main area of, of talent was writing. So it was a lot of um, white papers and some web copy and, you know, things like that, press releases and doing some PR, um, and, and it had just come relatively easy, again, because I had such a strong network and I had a really good track record after being at a couple of um, high profile jobs for the previous number of years. So, uh, you know, when I said to her, you know, what what if I did this? She she sort of looked at me and, and kind of, you know, opened her arms and, and it was basically like, welcome to your future. <laughs> because I was the only one who was surprised that I was going to go out and do my own thing. Um, my parents weren't surprised. My friends weren't surprised. People who used to work for me, there was a guy who had worked for me for a couple of years and I, I saw him out and I was like, Hey, guess what? I'm going to start my own you know, business. And he kind of was like, yeah. And, and not that he was, you know, poo-pooing it, but more like, well, it's about time. And, and so, but I had no idea that 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 was the right thing for me. So, so I really feel like I am, or was at least at the time, an accidental entrepreneur. In fact, a few years before that, I had thought, the, the, the thought had crossed my mind, you know, what if I did something on my own? And I, I literally thought to myself, well, what could I sell? What could I do that other people would pay money for? And I didn't, at the time, realized that my skills and talents were things that people would pay money for. So, um, but here we are 15 years later. Okay, so I have a question about that, but also when when I'm thinking about that question, what could I do that people would pay money for? Like yeah. literally, literally anything, <laughs> literally <Yeah>. anything. <laughs> y- yes, yes, uh, you know, uh, yes. I think I just didn't see it, um, and and it was also you know it was 15 years ago or even mm-hmm. more that I was thinking that, and and so it wasn't so much the gig economy any you know at that point it wasn't so much you know people sort of out on their, their own hanging their own shingles it wasn't quite as common so so it was a little bit of a different you know time and place um you know i i thought if you were going to go out and you know start your own marketing agency you know you had to be like you know three or four or five people who were going to get together and they were going to you know everybody's going to dig it out and like it it just it, it just wasn't in my purview. It wasn't in my experience that you know you could just hang your own shingle and actually make a living. Yeah, that makes total sense. So I have a I okay. When you had this discovery, and I'm I'm gonna use my experience just to compare it and mm-hmm. see how if if you had a similar thing. So my journey into what I'm doing now was a little more like I started doing all the things kind of like you, like literally helping people plan events and do their marketing and just like any task they needed help with. I was your girl. And I slowly realized at the, like, I think it was back in like March of 2020. I was like, oh my God, like writing has been the thing all along. And it's taken me this long to realize it. And it got scary for a minute there. Like putting that out there as what I was doing, that's when I start, I guess the only term I know to describe it is like that imposter syndrome. Like Mm -hmm. that's when I started to feel those like, oh my God, what am I doing? Even though before, to be perfectly honest, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I probably was less qualified to be doing what I was doing than what I actually wanted to do. So my question for you is, did you have any sort of those fears when you finally got so close to like, oh, this is the thing? Or did you have another experience entirely? I, I, I'm, I had another experience, but also some of that. So let me, let me talk about both. So th- first of all, when it comes to writing, I, it's just something that I have known since I was a little kid that it was, it just came naturally to me and it, and it worked well. Um, literally I was in fourth grade and I remember getting a paperback from the teacher and she was passing back essays and she put mine on my desk and she said, this was really good. Who taught you how to use a comma? And I looked at her and I said, well, what's a comma? 
but apparently I had used it right in the essay. So like we hadn't even learned how to use that kind of punctuation yet, but I was using it because it it just came natural to me. Wow. Um, so and so even throughout school and everything I did, I, I just always knew. And I went to college for journalism because I knew I wanted to write for the Boston Globe, which I did for, you know, while I was in college. Um, so, you know, that had always been my my path. So even though my jobs when I worked for other people had different components or elements to them. When I went out, when I decided to do this freelance work, I actually stripped back to the bare minimum and to the thing that I knew was sort of innate and that, that I could always rely on, which was the writing skills. Um, and then just some other, some folks who knew me, uh, you know, again, just knew me well, uh, you know, a friend was the one who hired me to to plan some events for, uh, for the organization she was working for. And, you know, she just sort of knew I could do that kind of stuff. So, um, so I, I kind of went the other way. I, I went, you know, all the way to the core to like, what's the one thing I feel like I'm not a fraud by, <laughs> mm. by charging people money for. Um, and then over time, my, um, or, you know, I probably did that for three or four years on my own. And then I started to sort of come across people who, you know, oh, here's a graphic designer developer kind of person who, if she and I started collaborating, we, I could do more for the people that I'm working with. And then, you know, a year later it was, oh, here's a person who, um, you know, is, is in, you know, expert in sort of digital marketing and search engine optimization. Well, if we brought him in, then all of a sudden the three of us become much stronger. Um, and so, so that's the way I built to the point where now I have a primary content writer who works with me and, and I'm actually not even a really a primary writer anymore. I'm more running the business and, and things like that. So, um, so, so, so I went sort of to the core and inward and stripped other stuff apart. But at the same time, as I was building my business, there were some other folks in the community who were also building marketing organizations and they were building them in, in a very different way and, and sort of pushing harder, going faster, you know, digging deeper, you know, growing much faster. And, and there was a part of me that, that sort of wondered if I was doing it wrong mm -hmm. because these, you know, these, and they were guys, these, these guys were like building and growing and like, you know, just really, you know, really sort of just exploding these businesses. But I, I never really wanted a 40 person agency. Like it's just not something that I wanted. And I, I liked, you know, what I was doing and following a path that was organic and, and much better suited for me. And so there was a lot, there were many, many years where I wondered if I was not a failure, but not a success because my agency didn't look like these others that peers of mine were growing. And isn't there so much power in just kind of deciding, no, I am going to do this my way and this is my version of success and how I want to grow this thing. And then just like easing into that feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, because we see so much marketing out there that tells yeah. us exactly how we should scale and what it should look like. And exactly. It's exhausting. It's exhausting I, to think about. <laughs> I literally had a coach at one point, a sales coach who basically fired me because I didn't want to grow as fast as he thought I should grow. And, and I learned a lot from him, but we always used to say that I had to like Stephanize his, uh, his isms because, you know, the way he was doing it, it was, it was again, that push, 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 dig, 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 you know, just, you know, just churn through people and prospects and team members and, and all of that things. And I, it just wasn't how I wanted to do it. And <laughs> I was pretty, um, affronted when I got, when he was exceptionally rudely fired me, but you know, it was like, oh, actually that's probably a good thing. Cause I don't want the agency that you think I should have. Okay. So that's your, that's the marketing side of your backstory. Yeah. <laughs> but now I want to get into this, uh, I'm going to call it a fun new project, but I know it's going places. So you also have a podcast and you're a podcast host. Um, I would love to hear how you got this idea for your podcast, The 40 Drinks Podcast. 
Yes. I'm so excited. This is my new baby. Um, I launched it earlier this year and the idea is something that I did originally when I turned 40. Um, I was at a place in my life where it didn't, I wasn't feeling right to have a big, you know, turning 40 party and have all my friends and family come over and and do a big rowdy raucous, uh, you know, crazy shindig, which if you know me is kind of wild because, you know, I am kind of wild and crazy and I am a Leo. So, you know, love the spotlight, love to party. Um, and, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't feeling right at the time. So instead I came up with this crazy idea to have 40 drinks with 40 people in 40 different places. And each drink would have some thematic connection to my friend or the relationship that we had. So for example, I had a drink with uh, one of my younger brother's best friends who I didn't find out till like most of the way from through my twenties that he had a major crush on me when we were kids. Um, So I know. So our drink was the grape crush. (laughs) Cute. And this is over a year period, not, not 40 days, not, not, not one day. Yeah. No. When I started it, um, I thought, well, for, for decades, I've celebrated a a birthday month. Um, My birthday is on the first of the month and I have always used it as a great opportunity to say, hey, let's get together for lunch or drinks or dinner or whatever, you know, throughout the course of a month to see friends, you know, and family and, you know, all kinds of people. And so this, I just thought was, again, outrageous and even bigger than a month. And I could just extend my birthday for as long as it took to have these 40 drinks, which was in fact about 13 months. So just, just over a year. Um, yeah. And so, so I did this 40 drinks project and because I own a marketing agency, I decided to, Hey, I'm going to write blog posts about each of these, you know, drinks and each of these relationships. So we put up a little website and I wrote blog posts. I took pictures at every drink and I, I took pictures of the drink and of me and my friend. And like, it was a whole thing. I, you know, would put it up on social media and tag people. It, it was, it was just fun and ridiculous and outrageous. And at the end of the year, what kind of happened was my life changed dramatically. Um, and part of that was through the process of these 40 drinks and some of the people that I had drinks with and some of the conversations and visits I had with them, they, they shook me, they changed me. Um, and part of it, I think too, was just a little bit of, uh, growing up and, a uh, just a shift in, in sort of in me and, who I was and, and what I did. So, um, you know, one of the things that was different at the end of the year was that I had met the man who would become my husband. And I know for a fact that he would not have been attracted to the person I was a couple of years before, certainly not in any meaningful or long lasting way. Wait, um, how did you meet him? Did you have a blind date drink? <laughs> <laughs> no, he did end up being one of my drinks, but we had been dating for a couple months at the time. Um, I, I met him the old fashioned way. I, I met him at a bar randomly out on a Friday night. I was out with friends. He was out with friends and it was just this crazy neither of us were supposed to be at this place, this dirty dive karaoke bar. And, and we just crossed paths and I had my sassy mode turn up to 11 and he huh. was wildly amused by it. Um, when usually guys were pretty put off by it. Um, and he was just, you know, delighted and we, I don't know, we, we had a great time. So we, so we just sort of connected and started dating and very quickly it was like, Oh, this guy's different. This is special. (laughs) So then you sort of took that as a, as a launch pad for this podcast that you started. Well, so if I'm being honest, Emily, the 40 drinks project was 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No. (laughs) And so, you know, people it still would, was a launch pad for the podcast. It was. People would hear about the project and say, oh, that's great. It should be a book. It should be a movie. It should be a something. And so for a number of years, a friend of mine and I worked on a book project or a book 
proposal that we, you know, pitched out to different editors, different agents. I even, you know, had an agent working with me for about a little over a year. Um, and, and we took it out a number of times. And the thing about the publishing industry is that they're exceptionally risk averse. So if you don't come to them with a fully formed platform of followers and, you know, fans and people who are already interested, they're not that interested in taking a, a, you know, a a leap or taking a chance on you. And also, you know, getting a book published requires, you know, going through a bunch of gatekeepers for somebody to say yes, for somebody to, you know, take you on, you know, to, to go through the whole process. Well, about a year and a half ago, I took a course, an online course on a bunch of marketing things that I didn't do for my clients, things like communities and memberships and, you know, podcasts was part of it, courses. And all of a sudden I realized that podcasting had a very small barrier to entry compared to publish publishing. And so I thought, huh, well, if I did the podcast just on me and my 40 drinks project, well, that gives me about 40 episodes. But if I take the light and instead shining it on myself, turn it outward and start talking to other people about turning 40, well, then the legs were just sort of infinite. Ooh, okay. So I'm notorious for asking two questions in one, but I'm going to only ask one at a time. (laughs) So before I move on to my next question, um, I want to know, like, what do you think? Okay, for people listening that either maybe are like, oh, that sounds fun. I would like to adapt that for myself and do a sort of project of my own. Maybe they don't drink. Maybe they want to think of it in a different way. Have you thought of any other sort of ways to adapt this project, this concept, so we could do like similar experiments for ourselves in our own lives? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that I have thought about a lot. And, um, you know, I think there's all kinds of ways to really memorialize the, the milestone. And it, it, it's all about what's interesting to you, what's relevant to you, you know, and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, is it, is it an internal thing? Is it an external thing? I mean, for me at the time, yes, I, I did drink a bunch, but I was also exceptionally social. And so getting to see and, and visit with, you know, all kinds of different people from all kinds of different parts of my life. That was the other thing about it was I had people from grammar school, high school, college, an old boyfriend, people I used to work with. I mean, it, I, I really dug deep and wide wow. to find these people to connect with. Um, it just gave me a great excuse to say, come have a visit with me. And, you know, it's easy to just say, come have a drink, but really it was a visit. So, you know, there's all kinds of ways for people to do that. I mean, do you like hiking? Do you like scrapbooking? Do you like needlework? Do you, you know, there's like, uh, there's infinite ways to adapt this, um, this concept to do a project to mark a milestone that also comes with some level of sort of thought or introspection or so if that's sort of if you want to look inward and backward or goal setting or planning if you wanted to look out and forward. And one thing I love is, you know, you saying it's a visit and you can think of it as like these little tiny, I actually just read an email from uh, someone named Shannon Giordano and she describes it as a micro outcome. So every single one of these visits was a micro outcome. But then it leads to this like kind of massive overarching epiphany, life changing. And I was even thinking when you were talking, like if you did this with, say, hiking, right, like every mountain would be like a micro outcome. And at the right. end, you would probably be like insanely fit right. and, and maybe have completed all of those um, hikes in the White Mountains that you wanted to complete. So just thinking about like, OK, what is a micro thing I could do to mark this milestone and and maybe you know not saying that you need to put pressure on that macro thing but maybe it leads to something just like wildly beyond what you could have imagined yeah yeah and and you know doing something like this the micro might be enough 
you know, for me, I didn't know that this was going to change my life, that this was going to have massive impacts on me. And in fact, had I set out to do that, Mm -hmm. it would have been too overwhelming. It would have been too much. And I would have said, oh, it's too much work. It's too much, whatever. But instead, you know, being able to sort of toss off almost frivolous 40 drinks with people you know, again, I sort of couched it in this is outrageous. This is ridiculous. And so it snuck up on me. The, 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 the build, the, the, the macro snuck up on me. And it, and frankly, it wasn't until I was done that I knew that my life had changed. And frankly, for several years afterwards, every time I looked back at it, I could see other ways that things had changed or other sort of um, things that had come from it that were different than from before. I'm always saying, well, so my, you know, I've shared the story with you, but I, um, my life really changed when I got out of my own little, my own little bubble and started meeting people. And I am always saying like, take the coffee date, you know, like say yes to the coffee date, because that is truly, I think it when you speak to the right person and the right thing clicks, like your life can change. So, okay. Um, shifting gears, not really at all, but slightly, (laughs) slightly. Um, why, what was so special to you and what is so special? Do you think for many people about the age timeframe, uh, of 40? Mm. Well, when I was a kid, 40 was very much over the hill. I mean, I I remember going to aunts and uncles and parents, friends, parties that, you know, there was the black balloons and there was the black cards and there was, you know, everything was black because you were over the hill. Um, and, and that has changed pretty dramatically. You know, by the time I turned 40, it, it wasn't so dire. Um, but but it's still, you know, a milestone. I think those those birthdays that end in zeros and fives are, you know, are, are just nice, you know, um, easy, you know, numbers for us to sort of stop and, and think at. Um, and, and I, you know, so I, I don't think that 40 is um, quite so um, dramatic as it was a couple of generations ago, and and in fact, it may not even be halfway these days, right? Because we're living so much longer. Um, but you know, when I got there, and 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 when I finished my project, the that that transition, that evolution, it really surprised me. Um, and and so I went and you know sort of looked and you know, is this what's going on here? And, and I found out that it's, it's really quite common for people to have these personal transitions or evolutions around their 40th birthday. You know, they, people can struggle with identity and, you know, where they are in their life and the choices they've made. And a lot of times I think the milestone, you know, whether you're dreading it or not, it sheds light on the fact that maybe you've got aspirations or goals that are still unfulfilled and what are you going to do about it? So, um, so I really liked the idea of talking to other people about their, I call them 40 stories and, and sort of curate and, and share that, that knowledge around turning 40. What do you think you're learning and hearing from people that's like maybe even coming as a little bit of a surprise to you in some of these stories? Well, despite the fact that that I know that these transitions are are quite common, the, the thing that is surprising me is how much consistency there is around this midlife transition. Um, you know, the people that I've talked to are from all different walks of life, you know, frankly, around the globe. Um, and there, there is just so much commonality around the, the baseline the, the underlying elements of the story, not the details of the story. So for example, for example, um, you know, should the word should, it, you know, comes up almost every conversation. Um, you know, people do things and they make choices and they, they, they pursue, you know, paths because they think they should, because they think it's what's going to make them 
successful or comfortable or whatever the whatever it is they're they're looking to to achieve or feel and many times once they've done that they realize that those choices they made because they should don't actually suit them they suit the person who told them they should <laughs> Yeah, I told you this in the episode I did with you that um, I look at often I see people who are 40 or older and they just have this sense of like, I don't give a damn anymore, you know, like what so-and-so thinks about me. And I'm like, what is that like? Because <laughs> I need some of that. So I think yeah. that is that is definitely a huge theme. Um, I guess my, my question for you is if you had, like if you could offer one piece of insight for people in their late thirties, um, or people, yeah, people in their late thirties, what do you think that would be? And maybe it comes from some of these conversations, but maybe it just comes from your own personal, this is what I really want to help you with. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it comes from both places, um, both from myself and from these conversations. And, and that is wherever it is in your life that you feel, whether it's discomfort or a lack of fulfillment, or just sort of like an underlying ickiness, wherever that is, that's where you need to look. Um, it that's that's really where the answers lie. And the longer you avoid it, the the more it's going to hurt. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't that, like I don't like this answer. Can you do it? Can you give a different answer? <laughs> Um, yes, let me give a different answer. <laughs> no, just... I'll come at it from the other direction. <laughs> the more you can learn to trust yourself and your intuition and knowing who you are and what's best for you, the more you're going to be able to make decisions in your life that are in alignment with who you are and what you want and the less of that icky feeling you're going to have. And, and you know, that might, to some people listening, I could see them being like, well, that sounds selfish, but it's not selfish because when you do that, you show up better for yourself, but also for the people that really, really matter, like the people you picked, handpicked to be a part of your life. So yeah, I don't, I'm, I don't know if you agree or disagree. No, I, I do. And, and like I said, I, uh, listen, I've done some reading on this and there's a, a woman who wrote a book in the like mid 1970s called Passages. And, and the, one of the concepts that she really talked about is first adulthood and second adulthood. And your first adulthood is that sort of, you know, from when you leave home till like somewhere between 35 and 40. And that, you know, in that period of time, it's really characterized by making decisions based on external authorities, people who, who really have the best in mind for you, meaning they want you to be successful, but they think you should follow the playbook that either they know or they've heard of or they've used to, to generate success. And so you're making decisions based on them and what they think is best for you. And that's where some of those things, you know, by the time you get to that 35 to 45 stage, you've made some decisions that somebody else told you you should do. And all of a sudden you're starting to feel that icky feeling because it, 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 it really wasn't the right decision for you. And that, that external authority, whether it's our parents or our, you know, teachers or mentors, you know, they have your best at heart and in mind, but it, it wasn't a decision you made for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that second adulthood is you enter that sometime between that 35 and 45 stage. And that's when you start trusting in yourself. You trust your own experience. You realize that you are the authority on your life. And then you start making decisions that are better for you, more aligned with you. And, and, you know, you said, is it selfish? And, it, and it's interesting because, you know, at this period of time, you know, you do see a lot of things like divorces. You, you see a lot of relationships falling apart. For me, there was, there were, um, friend groups that, that fall, fell apart, that, that were heartbreaking for me. Um, and, but it, you just, they just don't fit anymore. So is it selfish? 
sure, you could characterize it as selfish, but the the alternative to that, or not the alternative, but the, the sort of coda to that, and I think what you were getting at is when you are your best self and when you show up as your best self, you can be better for all the people around you and those people that you select to, to be in your world and in your sphere. So, um, selfish, yes, but, or yes. And right. Let's go back to yes. And yes. And yeah. Um, I always think when you're letting something or someone go, it's like, no, I'm doing you a favor. I promise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's that. I mean, again, I was heartbroken, you know, just at this, during this 40 drinks project, I, I had a, a friend group that, that I called my family for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. These were the people who were, you know, literally how many days a week did I you know, talk to them daily, saw them multiple times a week, you know, traveled with them, you know, vacationed with them, like holidays with them, everything for, you know, for the better part of a decade. And, and literally in a, in a matter of a couple of months, the whole thing fell apart and they were all gone. And wow. I, I was just heartbroken. Um, but I remember my husband, uh, my now husband, you know, there was, we had been dating just a couple of months and I, I, they were all out one night and I took, I was like, Hey, I want you to meet my friends. I'm so excited. Come meet all my friends. And we, I brought them out and they were all at a restaurant and most of them were like really cavalier towards him. They were, they were not that nice to him. And I remember him coming away being like, not that impressed with these people. And I, and I, I tried to force it a couple more times. Like, no, 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 you don't, you don't, you don't understand. Like, I don't know, something must've been going on that night, but they just were always not that nice to him. And it was like, but you guys are like my family. Why aren't you thrilled about that? Like it just, it, and, and very soon after it just started falling apart because we just weren't on the same path anymore. So that sounds like a a challenge of going through this, like going through the fire, let's call it. But um, what do you think has been a real gift or like your favorite? I mean, I mean, technically they're both, it's all gifts, but uh, what do you think has been like your favorite part of your own transition from, I'm going to say 39 to now, because I know that you're older than 40 now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an, it's a very easy answer. And the answer is, um, my husband, Patrick, um, I call him my reward for never settling. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and you know, it's, would I still want my family, you know, if it, if, you know, if I had to choose one or the other, it's like, nope, never, not in a million years. Um, you know, this man will open up his eyes in the morning and before he's even sat up, he's laughing or he's singing or he's making me laugh. Like it's like every, almost like literally 99% of the time, every day he's waking up and he's just laughing and he makes me laugh. And we just have so much fun together. And we just, we're peas in a pod. And, and you know what? I didn't have anyone like that until I was 40. That is so beautiful. And I got to say, I am also married to my my BFF and I love it. So, <laughs> um, all right. Are you ready for my rapid roundup questions? Oh, my goodness. I think so. They're not rapid. Don't don't get too okay. excited. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, the first one is the last thing that you Googled. Oh, um, <laughs> be honest. Be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it was. Um, Houseplants. This is okay. so ridiculous. It's I, very tame. I, it is very tame. I, I was reading a story in the Washington Post and there was like 10 ways you can save money on your houseplant addiction, which, you know, and so there was a, a plant that I was like, what is that? And it was, it was just beautiful and I wanted one. So I'm going to need to read that Washington Post ar- article because we, we have a situation over here. Yeah, too. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. What do you think it, what, what is an irrational fear that you have? Uh, heights. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever skydived? Nope. Okay. Nope. And actually, hence, hence the fear. <laughs> I have a really funny story. Uh, this is probably 20 years ago. I was moving into a condo and it's this really cool, like 1800s, you know, old mill building in Manchester. And it had this open, um, open concept, like some of it, some of the second floor had been taken away. So there were these beams and 
we were painting or something and my parents were there and a girlfriend of mine was there. And, you know, my mom was up like painting the second floor, like standing on these beams. And I was like, jeepers, creepers, Stephanie, you can do this. So I literally like went and like got up on, on the, the beam, you know, used the ladder, climbed my way up. And then like, I froze and, and people started, my, one of my cousins was there. People started looking at me and I was like, a girlfriend, my girlfriend looked at me and I was like, I'm stuck. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm stuck. Oh no. And I was, you know, I, what am I like eight feet off the ground? It was not that big a deal, but my cousin had to come and like save me. It was ridiculous. So yeah, heights. <laughs> I'm always curious about what spawns a fear of heights. Um, mm. That is a fascinating one. My husband is a professional painter with his father and his father will send me photos that would you 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 would just not be able to look at them i don't think it's mm-hmm. too it's too much i'm like why are we balancing on balance beams on roofs it's not safe right <laughs> um okay two more uh this one is your choice what are you either watching or reading currently mm. uh, well all the things i i'm a big consumer of uh both tv and uh books i read a ton um, I just read something called the book eaters. That was really good. That was, that was a really good story. Um, and I read something called the invisible kingdom, which was a woman who had, um, uh, chronic Lyme disease and was sick for many years. And mm. she just gave such beautiful language to the, the concept of being chronically ill and how it felt and, you know, the separation from the people around you. And so that was, that was really beautiful. So I, I read those um, watching, uh, I just finished Never Have I Ever, which it was a Mindy Kaling show that one of my cousins recommended to me. And um, I didn't think I'd be that interested in a show about kids in high school, but it was hysterical. I'll have to look that one up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and last question, last rapid roundup. What's your favorite podcast to listen to? Um, actually, I just finished listening to, and this one's this one's kind of like a, um, I, don't, I don't know, this Anyway, I just finished listening to something called The Sunshine Place, and partly I listened to that because my cousin produced it. He's out in L.A., and it was just one of his projects, and I was like, I want to listen to this. It's a really cool story about this um, addiction rehab center that was started in like the 50s out in Santa Monica and turned into like this wildly violent cult. It was It's kind of an outrageous story. Um I learned so much in these rapid roundups. It's not even <laughs> funny. Like so much. It is fascinating. But so the, I, I added this to my list of things to look up. Yeah. There's one more, Killed, which another friend turned me on to. It's about stories that were journalism stories that were killed, never published. Mm. And then, you know, they bring them back to life and like the story of like how it got killed and why it got killed. And as a former journalist, I think those are just delicious little stories. Oh, that is fun. All right. Uh, why don't you share, if you don't mind, how to find and connect with you online, both for, I'm going to say this name wrong because my French is terrible, but Savoir, Savoir Fair Marketing and the 40 Drinks Podcast. You were pretty close. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> so Savoir Fair is at Savoir Fair. What is my website? Oh my God. I just totally <laughs> blanked, Emily. Don't worry. It'll be in the show notes. Savoirfair-us.com <laughs> is yes. the marketing website. Wow. I can confirm. That is correct. <laughs> um, and the podcast is at 40drinks.com. F-O-R-T-Y, 40drinks.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook as 40drinks. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. This was so much fun. And uh, thanks for spending such a nice amount of time with me. I appreciate that. This was a delight, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.